Welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise Peck. I'm a best-selling author on the topic of love. I'm a personal one-on-one love and life coach. And I'm really excited that through this podcast, I bring you a diverse range of love stories. We hear about everything from dating app, you know, pickups to 30-year-plus long-term relationships that started well before the internet uh, and so much more. Today, very excited to have Erica Forrest on the podcast for episode 36. Now, this is beautiful, you know, I guess you could call it old-fashioned love. They met at at university or uh, college, perhaps, I think um, it's called in some countries. Uh, So this is a story that has traversed, you know, the stages and phases of life and time. They've been together 30 years. They've been married for 29. They're they're excited, you know, with a lot of excitement planning the next phase of their love story, uh, which involves more travel and being on sailboats and things like this. So there's a lot of love there 30 years on. And there's so much wisdom from Erica. And I think it's really, really exciting to be speaking to someone that has created an incredible love story and life story with someone for 30 years now and counting and the love is very much there so we cover a lot in this we cover going through different phases when things happen in life that are just out of your control um grief loss uh when when both of you are sort of running on empty how to navigate through that uh how to have conflict and hard conversations how to turn toward each other instead of away, getting through power struggle type moments, Um, a bit of parenting philosophy and stuff in there, a bit of philosophy actually. So Erica is an atheist, which I am actually really excited about because I want lots of views on the podcast and we've had people really deep in their faith on the podcast and I, I try to actually sort of be a little bit of a neutral energy here just holding the stage for everything and uh, I'm really excited I was starting to get a curiosity about oh uh, is there something to people having a belief in a god or a deity or a faith that makes them stay in committed relationships longer uh, what about people that don't believe in a god you know do they have the the personal commitment if they haven't committed to god How do they stay? What is their mindset that that keeps them committed? So here we speak to an atheist who doesn't believe in a deity, etc., a God. um, And we unpack the mindset that has kept her committed for 30 years and and in in a long-term relationship. So that's exciting. It's exciting for just the the power of diversity and different stories and different insights and finding, you know, the common wisdom in them all. So this is a really powerful episode. I'm really thrilled to be able to bring it to you. It's a great discussion. I found it really enjoyable, really insightful. I'm grateful to now have this knowledge and I'm really excited to be able to share it with you. So enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise, and I'm really excited to be speaking to Erica Forrest today. Erica Forrest is a travel education specialist who helps curious people create more meaningful wanderings. As the founder of her travel education company, Trip Scholars, she blends over 30 years experience in education with the discoveries made through her own journeys. She inspires others to make the most of their time before departure, allowing them to better understand their destinations and ultimately 
themselves. So a very adventurous spirit here who also comes across with an, an, a, a sensation of an in, intentionality, um, which I love. So I'm excited to see if that also shows up in her relationships. Let's find out. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much, Elise. I'm very happy to be here and I get to enjoy this visit with you today. Yeah, yeah, I'm very happy to have you here too and to be able to connect with you and speak about love today and perhaps a bit of adventuring too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what relationship are we, what's the romantic relationship that we're speaking about in your life today? Well, I'm really grateful to get to talk with you about uh, my relationship with my husband, Brandon. We've been together for 30 years or so. Uh, we'll be coming up on our 29th wedding anniversary next year so um I he's a wonderful person and I feel like we've learned a lot over the years that I'd be happy to share share with people wow I'm super excited wow 30 years 29th wedding anniversary and you know I can just see that there's a lot of love there I can see the smiles you're talking about him so this is this is an exciting one for me I love when people deeply in love after such a long period of time it's just it's I think it's potentially my favorite thing to talk about so I mean I mean I love and I help people a lot with attracting in and that's very exciting we're going to unpack that but I think the endurance of being so consistent but also the depth you can get when you just keep going at something uh, is so exciting and frankly a bit rare and actually part of my hope for this I just want to share, I don't want to take over your episode. We'll get to, <laughs> we're going to get in a minute, but I just want to share and perhaps, you know, you can relate Erica or anyone else listening can relate is that um, I was actually sharing in the, in the car with my husband yesterday that I noticed a few younger listeners, like, um, you know, eight, between 18 and mid twenties were starting to tune in. And that actually really excites me because mm -hmm. I think um, that this long-term love is becoming rarer and rarer. Uh, there's there's TikTok, there's dating apps, there's fast love. It's so available, um, and also there's so much broken attachment and it's broken families. It's actually, it's it's, it's actually hard for the younger generation to see blueprints of long-term love. A lot of them don't even have it in their social network. So yeah. I'm excited to bring that onto the podcast and have a spot where people can find and listen to the kind. I know, of right? Exactly. Rarity. I know. Um... Uh, whenever we or I would meet uh, elderly couples, um, you know, we're in our 50s now, but but even when we were in our early 20s and we would meet couples that really seemed to be uh, deeply in love still when they were in their 70s and 80s, 90s, always asking them for advice, you know, what what do you what did you do to be so happy together for all these decades? So uh, what you're what you're providing, because I've heard some of your other episodes uh, also about new love and young love, uh, and that's that's its own valuable. There's lots of lessons in there, but there's um, there's a lot we can can learn from each other. People who um, have been through the hard times too. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think. And I think it's becoming rarer and rarer. So for me, like you're, you're a very valuable, <laughs> you know, person on the podcast today that you've done, you've, you're 30 years in. And I think it's harder and harder to find people that are there. And it's not to say, oh, I'm just going to celebrate length. Of course, I don't want someone that's like 30 years, hate the guy in living in the other room. Like, <laughs> I'm not yes. ever agitating that ever. Um, but I am very excited by 
love the guy, 30 years. I'm like, let's listen. So let's let me walk my walk my walk, not just talk and I talk and actually get to actually listening to you. Um <laughs> so I would love to just quickly ask, what is your favorite thing about either your husband or just your relationship with your husband? What's your favorite thing about this 30 year thing that you've got going on? Um I think that's a hard one to answer. Uh, there's a lot I love about Brandon. Um probably his earnest, genuine zest for life and that that comes out as um, so much love and kindness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super beautiful. All right. So I would like to take a, a walk back in time for a little bit, go back to the start, and then we're going to come circle back to, okay, you know, and now tell us how, how you've done this since then. For a moment, we're going to skip back in time and ask, what was your mindset like right before you met Brandon? Were you looking for love? Um, well, I I knew who Brandon was for about a year before we got together. Uh, we were both in other relationships and um, neither of them were, you know, were as healthy as a relationship could be. Um, and I was able to leave a long-term relationship right before I got together with him. Uh, and so that's probably the headspace I could talk with you about. Uh, I was in college. I was, um, made, we were both majoring in philosophy uh, and I was seeing all of these amazing connections between history and science and nature and myself and uh, deeper connections with a lot of different things. Um, I was spending more time in nature. I hadn't gone camping until I was a college student. Uh, so I was just really wide awake to the world. I was in a very good headspace. And Brandon Brandon actually was too. And I'm, I'm so curious. This word philosophy is actually coming up a lot. And I'm, one, I'm starting to wonder, I'm always looking for trends. I'm starting to wonder if the people that get love other people that have a very, very high value on connection and love. So they make it work no matter what. And if people that are into love and have this kind of romantic mindset are actually deep thinkers and into philosophy as well, because <laughs> my, my husband was, um, he, he was at university studying commerce, but he, one of his majors in commerce, which I, I couldn't figure out, I'd done commerce uh, with my lawyer as well. And I didn't even know philosophy was in there. I don't think it is. I think he kind of skipped and did one of his majors in, in arts. Um, his was philosophy. And he's a real like into like connection, romantic kind of guy. And I, I'm seeing this everywhere. I'm wondering, is Brandon into philosophy? Was that a mutual shared interest or is Yeah, um we that was what we were both getting our degree in was philosophy. And actually at the time, uh we were both vegans. We're not vegans anymore, and vegetarians now, but uh he was one of the only other vegans on campus. Um, we were both in the animal rights club and the peace and social justice and the environmental clubs. So I think um, uh, for us, having a super solid foundation based on shared values mm. um, and being very thoughtful about how we wanted to be with our lives um, was really important. I mean, we were also both atheists, so we think this is our one time um, to be 
to be. <laughs> and oh. we want want to really make the most of that, um, both with who we are as individuals and who we are as a couple and what we want to do to, you know, try to impact the world in a positive way. So uh, I know that we're all wired differently. I, I would not say that that, you know, is a re requirement, but I'm always amazed with couples who have very different political or religious foundations and are able to have successful, and I've known some, it, it really is impressive because, uh, you know, part, part of what makes us have strong pillars are those shared values. I mean, we, we are not in lockstep. We disagree about plenty of things, but we disagree in a respectful, um, in a respectful way. So it's an enjoyable disagreement a lot of the time. <laughs> I'm actually so excited. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because uh, a trend I've been seeing recently was a lot of people of of some sort of faith. Um, I don't. I, I've got to say, I don't fully understand all the religions. Um, I don't know what I am. I would say I'm spiritual. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm connected to something. But I've been having people on and they've been speaking about a God, a God. I'm not sure which God. I'm not sure if I should know if that's Christian or whatever it is. But I'm actually starting to wonder, hang on, like, is there something? Are these people in long? Am I getting a lot of people really into God? Because that is why they've got the long term relationship, because they see their commitment to God, blah, blah, blah. Is it like, would anyone that doesn't feel that? Can they do 30 years? Like, is it is it is it only possible for do 30 years if you feel like, well, you can commit to the person you committed to God? Is that a secret element to these long-term relationships? So how exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I will say, <laughs> I will say that um, yeah. we, even though we do not believe, you know, that there there's a there's something guiding or a higher power or consciousness out there we do still have an enormous amount of reverence for life and for um the universe and our consciousness and all of that so um i know some people could call that spirituality i think you can you you can not believe in um a deity um or think that there's like a purpose uh, and still have an enormous amount of reverence for existence Mm, mm, beautiful so just so it is is so an atheist doesn't believe that there's an actual deity but the, but that can still feel like there is some energetic force or something or, or just no just well i i would that. certainly never claim to define okay. how everybody is going to define it yeah. um and um yeah i um for me uh you know some people say this happened for a reason i don't i don't really believe in in fate in that way um and some people believe that you know there's a uh, omniscient being understanding or controlling things i don't those aren't things that i believe great but and, I, and so you so you don't believe in like soulmates twin flames uh destiny you're meant to meet each other the wine none of correct. that correct yeah. correct i i believe um that well, I mean, uh, we could have a long conversation about free will too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I frankly don't, don't, don't believe in that that much either. But I, um, uh, not because I believe the things are meant to be. I, even though I have a hard time coming to terms with the concept of free will, I live my life as if um, 
I am creating it to the best of my ability. There are many things outside of my control, um, but that I have the choice in every moment that I'm awake enough to it to decide who I want to be, what I want to bring to a conversation or an interaction um, and how I want to respond to something. And I think Brandon has that too, which has made, you know, we, um, it, it's made it so that it's been, a, we've had the space to, for it to be a very supportive relationship. This is so beautiful. And I promise I'm about to backtrack to the point on shared value <laughs> and how important that is. And also another thing that's been coming up for me lately is the concept of, do you have a path or, uh, and do you have free will to choose? Like, you know, there's been people coming on the podcast, like, oh, I had to surrender life, wanted me to be with that person. I had to go with it. Da, 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 da. Um, and a concept of, well, someone saying, I had someone very deep in her faith say that every time she was resisting her path with God, she was trying to control and, da, 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 and things would go bad and she had to let go. So I'm actually really interested in these concepts. And so okay. my understanding is when you say free will, my head and the way that I've been digesting that lately, something I've been contemplating is, um, is is there paths that are unfolding? And even if there are, can we choose something? Can we just say, well, like, okay, just say th there's a girl and she meets what feels like, I don't know, like a soulmate and a twin flame. And one of them feels very calm and very like nice and steady. And the other one feels like a mirror that is hectic and stressful. And it's just like, ah, because as they're too similar, they bang up against each other. And I see, I see this a lot. I see it in movies. It's like a theme you see in like the partner track TV show. You have this kind of like extreme chaotic, but it feels like, well, oh, but we're twin flames. And then you have this calm soulmates type situation. I know you don't believe in these terms. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know, I know you don't. And I'm trying to just uh, uh, explain where my head's going with this free will. Concept. Sure, sure. I just want to tap into your thoughts on it because I love different perspectives. I love adding in data points, which is partly why this podcast Wonderful. is here. Because I don't want to be right. I want to understand. I want to add and learn and grow. Um, exactly. So if you have someone there and she's saying, oh, my gosh, I get like, I get at least that the calm thing is the nice, safe thing. And I should go with the calm. It'd be good for me. But I feel like life, God, source, energy, whatever it is it, that my path is, I have to go on the twin flame thing. I have to figure it out. That's the highest growth. Da, da, da. And I feel like life wants that from me. And I've been contemplating about, well, is that reality? Do you have to surrender to one path or do you have free will? Um, to just actually intentionally choose. And you've said what what you've articulated sounds to me like the concept of free will. No, I'm creating everything and I can <laughs> But then you're saying, I don't believe in the concept of free will. So that has confused me. So do you just, if you just take a minute saying if what you're, what, what do you perceive as free will and, and how come you saying I'm intentionally choosing and creating um, and like there's nothing extra going on, there's no path. I am just deciding a path I want to create. Uh, is that sure? sure. Um, I guess uh, I'll go back to, you know, um, if there was an omniscient being and you could understand all of the chemical reactions happening um, throughout the universe at all times, uh, would you would you know what was happening with the neurons in someone's brain? And um, 
because of quantum physics, we're not quite sure, but you, you could argue that, um, you know, if you knew everything that was related to the next thing I'm going to say, you could predict what I'm going to say, or you could predict what I'm going to do in the next situation. So in that way, I don't, that's where I have a problem with free will. Like if you really understand the science behind, um, our, our minds and the universe, it is hard to say that we um, do necessarily have a lot of free will. But uh, I think it's our responsibility and to live as if we do have free will. And that um, because otherwise we would just be inert and nothing would happen. And uh, we want to be able to move ourselves forward and be creative agents in the way that we craft our lives and decide how how we want to interact with people. So um, so that's how I try to live. I mean, it's uh, you know like it's it's kind of the same um, perspective as you know you can see yourself as almost insignificant in the nature of the grand spectrum of the universe, or that you, in this moment, I am connecting to you. And in that way, um, we have profound opportunities to change the universe on these small scales. So um, so that is how I try to live. Sorry, just uh, bear with me. So what my brain does is it doesn't really understand things when it first hears it. It takes it in, it pops it into frameworks and that pops it back out as a framework. Um, uh, so I guess, so when I regurgitate it, it might not be the whole thing, but it will be the way that I'm understanding it. I guess is what you're saying um, basically that everything is sort of going to unfold as it's going to unfold anyway, but we can't live our life as if that's true because then we'll just, we'll give up trying that that but but anyway to give us a, a sense of enjoyment or meaning uh we ought to actually feel and act as though uh we have intention and we are intentionally creating it is this is this correct yeah that is very close uh very close and also that um that in the way that it is unfolding that's outside of our control that there isn't like a consciousness directing that and so um you know when you were, we were talking about a woman having two potential partners um and one is very exciting and one might feel safe um uh you know, a lot of a lot of what's happening is biological. And so that excitement that she's feeling towards the person who is more magnetic um, is going to be pushing her in that direction. But I think it's from a scientific place, um, the hormones being released in her body because of how uh, attractive he is or something um, that would be moving her in that direction. And that if you if you recognize at that moment is, you know, these are my hormones and what do I actually want for myself? Who do I want to be in the future? Now, hopefully um, it can be someone who's safe and exciting at the same time. Um, and, and she could move forward with that combination. Beautiful. So it's like witnessing what's happening and then always coming back to, I guess, a concept I, I use with my clients is move from a calm mind, get into a calm mind. Yeah. So you have access to like your prefrontal cortex in the home of conscious voluntary choice rather than your involuntary reactions. So get out of reactions, get into a calm mind and consciously make a decision voluntarily 
okay, I hear that. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to get off the hormonal roller coaster. I'm going to go back to what I wanted out of a relationship before I even met this person. I'm going to go to what my relationship vision is and I'm going to check what is my North Star for a relationship vision and I'm going to actually filter that through. I'm going to have intentionality and I'm going to think about it from a calm, quiet space, which is the energy of alignment, of flow, is to not be chaotic in your actions, be intentional and calm. Is, is that That's a- exactly exactly where I, how I would, um, if I was counseling somebody coming to me, that, that is exactly what I would say. And that if you can get to a place where this relationship is safe enough, then by all means, enjoy the hormones <laughs> and, and have a great time. Um, but uh, as you're deciding, you know, um, how how kind of this bigger apparatus about your life, how you want to move in that direction, then that is um, that you really want to be able to um, make with as a conscious choice, just like you were talking about. I totally agree. Thank you so much. This has been a really, um, I know we haven't even started on the, on the love conversation just yet. <laughs> that, that has been really, really personally valuable for me. And I think anyone that's been working with me or following my work for any, or gone to any of my presentations, they'll totally get that line of questioning. And for us, mm-hmm. um, that will have just helped deepen a few distinctions. So thank you for letting me take that little side trip. Um, right. So now I just want to go back to you talking about uh, the shared values. And I really want to highlight that I agree wholeheartedly with what Erica said there. Shared values are so important. She had, even though her values have changed over time, sometimes having shared values at the start can often be an indication of the way the other person actually thinks and how that is actually compatible with you. So, okay, they were vegan and they've evolved into vegetarians. Um, they were they were drawn to the same things and having the same thoughts in the time in the same time period in their life. So often people are going to veganism or philosophy or there's actually external forces. And it's like um, there's actually, you know, maybe in the zeitgeist or whatever, there's there's a, like there's thoughts, maybe more information is coming out about animal rights. How does it how does that land with the person? How do they digest it? And how does that come out in their behaviors? People that have the same way of thinking, people have the same level of empathy, the same way of analysis will often both arrive at the same decision. So often the shared values is a really good indication into what is what is this person going to decide given the same information and that we're probably going to decide similar things. Uh, to bring that point a little bit more life, when I first met my husband, um, we both were like the only people that weren't doing party drugs. And... Uh, <laughs> That's now like not even something I would think to put on my list because I'm not in the party scene. And if someone, you know, if I met him today and he said to me, I did party drugs when I was 18 or whatever, I'd be like, okay, like, you know, <laughs> day, do you know what I mean? Whereas when I was 18, I was really important. No one that's ever done it. And I think um, when I met him, he thought the same. And honestly, it was less about that he didn't do drugs and more about his thought process. When I said why, and we discussed why we both arrived at that decision, it was like, whoa, we think the same. Wow, we arrived at that for the same reasons. Uh, it was about integrity, it was about kind of not going with the crowd, it was about kind of loving your body. It, it's often, often people will say, oh, I want someone that's really into health. It's less about that their partner looks healthy, it's more about um, for them, I want to know they love themselves, they take care of themselves. It's often mm-hmm. the values under the values. So yeah. I just wanted to touch on that because even though you were vegan and now you're both vegetarian, there is some thought processes under that, which probably when you were speaking on those topics made you feel very connected. 
Um, yeah, I will say um, what drew me to him, there were a number of things that drew me to him originally, but one of the things that made it um, completely different than anything else before was that I felt like he understood me in a way nobody else, frankly, ever has, um, and that uh, we could finish each other's sentences from the very beginning, like we just saw the world in a very similar way, and uh, that was incredibly comforting and invigorating. Um, it was it was great. <laughs> so well, I, I definitely hear what you're saying about you and your husband um, when you guys first met, and that you, you know, and I think part part of also becoming a couple, you are deciding who are we together um, as a unit and. If, you know, how is that different than the world around us? And so to be able to base that on um, things that feel really healthy and true about yourself um, can be really, you know, also help to make for a super strong foundation. Amazing. I've got a fear-based thought that I want to ask you. Sure. The <laughs> name it and claim it. This is a fear-based thought. <laughs> if he can understand everything about you, can he then hurt you? Yeah, definitely. No one else um, and so, can. He knows exactly what would hurt you. I know that's yes, a really uh, intense question. But <laughs> that's the fear of being so deeply seen and understood, right? Like, oh. I, I, I definitely think so. Um, uh, just like any of your other closest friends or family members, you know, um, I, I, it doesn't bother me to have people I barely know I mean, you're not here to please everybody. So if, if folks I don't know that well don't like what I'm doing, you know, with what I'm doing with my business or you know, choices we're making about how we're raising our children, but if Brandon doesn't like something, um, then then I take it seriously, and um, and yeah, there, there's definitely a lot more space for there to be pain. So I th I think um, you know this was all at the very beginning in and it was very exciting um but over time that is really where you learn to trust each other and be uh, become safer and safer with each other so that you can reveal more of yourself more of your vulnerabilities more of the unpleasant parts of yourself in a safe space where you get to um to try to grow mm, so yeah. yeah i i definitely agree there there's a risk in there for sure yeah, and that could be the old, I've worked a lot on my attachment style, and that could be the old avoidant. I have an avoidant uh, sometimes. I had a, a, a person in my life that could understand me so deeply and they could wound me and they mm -hmm. had that sort of, they had that yeah. that dark triad trait of actually uh, the, the sadism, sadistic, getting pleasure out of finding out what would hurt you and then saying yeah. and then watching you. And so I got to say, I don't have that in my relationship with my husband. He is... It's like he doesn't have the wiring. He would never think to intentionally hurt me. Um, mm -hmm. But when I'm coaching women and they're like, oh, but he made me feel so understood, I notice I go, yeah, but then is that person, uh -huh. is that person at all sadistic? Because if they, yeah, they, there's a, but yeah, at the same time, I can share all of myself. I guess I'm just unpacking this for anyone listening. <laughs> I, can share all, I, can, I can share all of myself with my husband because I know he doesn't have any of that sadistic kind of, wouldn't even think, where can I hurt her the most? Just wouldn't think. Yeah. Uh, if it's, it's accidental. Uh, if he ever, like, you know, 
uh, leaves me for too long without communication or something like that, which, which creates anxiety. Someone sadistic would purposely do that. They'd purposely pull away. They'd purposely stonewall um, to drive the, the knife in. Whereas um, I, I know if I'm if he's ever doing it, it's like it's that saying, Helen's razor, don't prescribe to miles that which can be adequately prescribed to incompetence. I know if he's doing it, it's accidental. And I wonder yeah. being with someone, would you say a prerequisite to being with someone that is can understand you so deeply is making sure that they that they will that they don't have that sadistic side or that they wouldn't yes uh def definitely um and i i remember the first times in our I, I don't even remember what they were about this was a long time ago but i do remember there was something about brandon that i wasn't feeling good about at the beginning you know um it was like probably a year in or something and and he would just listen like I would say I feel frustrated or um you know confused about this and he would listen and then he would as as if I was talking about you know I'm working through something with my mom or something he would kind of help me brainstorm he was so non-defensive um and safe uh gave me a place to try to work through it so um uh I definitely I mean even though we've been together for 30 years yes I I think that there are many red flags that um it, that would guide somebody to not be in a healthy relationship I think divorce is a great thing for lots of people um and just like what you were saying um you know if if you are in a place where you feel like they're you're being understood, but um, you're getting feelings that they're going to be using that against you in the future, um, that could be a definite red flag and not a place to stay. Perfect. Thanks, Erica. All right, so you've touched on that a little bit about um, him feeling safe and all this sort of stuff and shared values, but I'd love to know what you really, what you first felt or thought at like your first impression when you saw it, when you met Brandon? When I met Brandon. So um, I mentioned we were in, you know, some of the same circles at, at, at university. And um, I will tell you that I used to, you know, um, table is what we call it in the United States when you are like sharing literature and information about um, the environment or animal rights or something. So I used to table frequently um, to share information out in the public square kind of thing. Um, and whenever he would come, I all of a sudden couldn't speak straight. I like lost my ability to um, form complete sentences <laughs> or be able to um, say anything coherent and he would walk away and I'd be like, oh man, I can't believe I just sounded like such a ding dong. Um, but he he was just so, um, uh, so I was so interested in him that I, I really could not, couldn't think straight when I was around him. So um, that that is what I thought of him. <laughs> so you couldn't, couldn't think straight. Um, so you didn't feel calm around him. Um, no, a little bit flustered, a bit shy, I guess. Um, pardon? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would say shy. I'm not a super shy person, but I, um, I certainly didn't get to lead with my best foot forward. 
So it's almost like the blood went out of your head and just into your body. <laughs> that is true. Yes. You and you yeah. were just in, in these feelings. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were in, um, we were finally in a class together. We hadn't really been in classes together before. And we had a paper that we needed to write. And a good friend of mine, we're supposed to write it with a partner. So a good friend of mine um, was my partner and he dropped the class. So I... I always was sitting in the front. It was an ethics class, so very interesting to me. And there was this cute guy in the back. Uh, and I always used to think, I wonder if he even notices me. I wonder, you know, is he looking or anything? Um, and when my friend dropped dropped the class, I went back to him at the end of the next class and said, can I be your partner to write this paper? And he um, he was he was already... Uh, partners with another one of our now good friends and um so they let me join their their group and we wrote the paper together and it had turned out that he was actually in the back sketching me for a lot of those days <laughs> oh <my laughs> so God. we were there it was, was this energy um that we didn't know so he felt it was. too he, he was sketching you and you were up the front feeling this connection and so, um, so it's almost like, I guess, would you explain that as a, with the hormones, would you were sensing each other's hormones? Like, how would you, if you don't have a belief in, <laughs> how would you, how would you, how do you explain that you were thinking of him and he was thinking of you? Yeah, that is how I would explain it. Um, and you know, we, we had had these other connections, um, uh, like I said, we often where I couldn't speak in a complete sentence, but that was our first time in, you know, like a sustained space together. So, and so do you interpret that as just being a coincidence? Um, no, uh, I mean, in what way? Well, like, I, I uh, or is that a quantum physics thing? If you're thinking of like, <laughs> how, I guess within your belief set. So to me, that sounds a little bit like soulmate like, you know, <laughs> Wow, like you're uh, like for me, like on a spiritual slant, I'm like energetically he felt you and you, <laughs> you guys are having an energetic connection. That's what's going on for me. And I'm wondering how do you digest that reality that you were feeling something and he was sketching you and it was a mutual thing? Would you say, oh, just coincidence? Like, or do you think that your hormones were signaling to each other? Like, how do you describe that mutual connection? um it's incredibly fortunate is how I describe it okay just very very lucky um okay. yeah oh so and you're a believer in luck I don't know if I'm a believer all right in sorry luck, I, know, but... I know I know I'm into I like to get frameworks I'm always trying to squeeze frameworks and you're like oh my gosh I'm here to talk about love what is this um all right so you went up to him and asked to work with him even though you couldn't think straight around him how did you yes. have, how did you have the confidence to go and do that when you were already feeling flustered by it? I mean, often if you're feeling flustered by someone, the last thing you're gonna do is walk up and like connect with them. What inspired you to go up and connect to someone, the one person in the room that you couldn't think around? <laughs> um, I was very attracted to him. So I knew that I wanted wanted to see if we could have something else happen. Um, and I had finally left that other relationship. So I um, wasn't, and he was still in a relationship at that point. So, um, okay. That, so you came with changed. intention. So this was the intention of trying to make something happen. I love yes, it. Right. it. It was, it was definitely a choice. <laughs> Amazing. It was a choice. So, okay. It was an intentional movement, a behavior action. All right. So you, 
how do you go from that to being a couple? Um, actually, it didn't take very long. Um, uh, we were working on the paper and um, had a couple other, you know, um, social things at school. Uh, and on our first date, um, I actually, when he was dropping me off, I said, I think I love you. <laughs> and I think I scared him a little bit. Yeah. He, he didn't quite know what to do with that. But I, I, I just, I just felt so alive and, um, and just completely happy when I was with him. So, um, so I told him, I don't know if I would counsel other people to do that. <laughs> I've had someone else in 28 years and she was very similar. She just said, I love him. And I didn't hear from him for a couple of weeks. And then I did. Um, <laughs> so you said, I think I love you. And he just kind of stared. What was his reaction in that moment? I think he was like, wow, wow. I'm not sure what to do with that. Um, <laughs> but pretty quickly after that, I, I think he, he fell in love too. So, oh, so, um, so what happened from that moment? Did he, when you say, I think I scared him, did he go a little bit quiet for a while or what happened then? No, he didn't go quiet. Um, uh, Very off entirely. Yeah, we, we just started spending more and more time together um, and it made it pretty hard to, you know, be a good student. And I had a couple jobs at the time and, you know, I had, um, an extended family and lots of friends and I just, um, uh, wanted to be with him most of the time. So now that we're parents of, um, young adults who are going through their own versions of this, uh, you know, you, um, you want to grant them enough space to get to enjoy some of that time. Mm, yeah. So <laughs> what made you think that you love him? Did you already know about your shared values or was it purely an attraction and an energy of feeling alive around him at that point? Did you know you had shared values at that point? Yeah, I did. Um, so we, like I said, um, you know, being in these different communities, um, I had been in, in spaces with him or parties or meetings or things like that, uh, where I was able to listen to how he communicated and what he thought about the world and um, how he, you know, how he carried himself through the world. So I, I really found his intellect really um, very attractive and he was super kind. Um, you know, he, his mom uh, at that point was a single mom and his brother was 14 years younger. And so he was coaching the teams and packing the lunch and all of that. Um, uh, you know, we spent time in his grandma's house and his grandparents, and he was just a great grand, great, wonderful grandson. You know, when he first came over to my house, I watched him with my parents and my grandma. Um, and, and I just loved it. I mean, on one of our first few dates, there was a kitten stuck up in a light pole um, and he helped to get it down. He's just a good guy. So it was all of that. Plus he was also the cutest guy I'd ever seen. Oh, I love that. Okay. You did have some awareness of who he was by the time you said, um, yes, I love you. Amazing. All right. So what are your what's we've been in this attraction phase which I know people are really excited about now if we go into actually being in a relationship phase um, yeah. 30 years in and 
and you said that you have a lot of wisdom, a lot to share on relationships. So I'd just like to open up the floor with what, what do you think are the keys to making love work long term? From that moment mm. of excitement, he's cute, we've got shared values. 30 years later, like, what have you learned that you think has been the most important for people to know? Um, well, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, I think, well, um, one of them is, you know, we wrote our own wedding vows. And one of the things that I said in that was um, that I live each day with you as a prayer and a great thanksgiving to the universe. Um, that staying really focused on how grateful you are to have your partner um, can make I mean, life is going to throw all kinds of junk at you, and a lot of it will be mundane and frustrating and scary and confusing. And um, the the point of a solid relationship is that you keep leaning back into each other, not pulling apart from one another um, when the frustrations and hard things come. And so by choosing to be focused on the gratitude, it it was actually able to make it so that, you know, doing things like washing dishes or cooking food, almost like a living meditation on love. Um, and just being very present to the moments, uh, watching him with our kids or watching him sleep. Um, you know, uh, a long healthy relationship is really made up of millions and millions of minutes. Um, and I think that it comes down to the small choices that you make in a lot of those moments. Um, who you are, how you're going to show up for them, and how present are you going to be? How kind are you going to be? How um, how genuine are you going to be? Uh, so, so that I think is is one of the the most important things you can do for a long term relationship is just um, come with gratitude and recognize it in the small small mundane everyday things. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was really important. Yeah. So for anyone that's in the power struggle right now, where when you talk to them, they're in the blame game. They are, <clears throat> oh, but Elise, my husband's this, he's that, he's a real bad guy, blah, blah, blah. He wants it. Da, 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 da. It's just, it's all the other person and mm -hmm. they want the other person to change and I need him to do this. And um, and they're, they've lost any sense of gratitude. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone like that? Like, I mean, okay, like you're, you've got this gratitude and this and that, but what would you say to someone that's not feel like, like if they, if they have no easy access to gratitude right now and they're just, I mean, I, friends, clients, I see people in this stage where they're just, and I know, you know, but I'm here to see, to, to, to I know what I would recommend, but I, I wonder what your approach, uh, or if you've ever fallen off into the power struggle. And you sure. had to get back, had to get to this attitude of gratitude. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I I think that uh, it's not uncommon for people to to fall off. I know that we have um, at different times, and uh, it's usually because there's all these external um, things that are making making things really hard. So I guess one of the things I would say is, um, you. The marriage really has to be central and there will be times when you're just not 
feeling it, um, you still need to make time to say thank you for dinner. That was delicious. Um, you still need to say, uh, can we go out on a date night? I mean, we didn't have a lot of money for a lot of the early years. And um, so that can be going for a walk. That can be having a picnic. Um, it does not have to be spending a lot of money, but just continually investing back into the relationship. And then, um, you know, you, to do your best to recognize um, that you don't have to be a slave to those negative emotions, those moments when that's happening to you, and that you try to step just a little bit to the side. Some of it's hardwired, a lot of it, uh, you know, there's a lot of social forces that make different relationships easier or harder. So um, there's privilege in, in a lot of this too, but um, science shows there's a lot of neuroplasticity in the brain. So even if you, you have been doing something a particular way, you can use mindfulness and you can train yourself with gratitude. I mean, there's a, a lot of work being done right now in, in how to do that with gratitude journals or reflecting on three things or thinking of a few things about your partner every day, even if other things are frustrating <laughs> and trying to focus, focus on the good. Um, I, I really think um, granting one another grace is an important part. Like you can focus on how annoying it is. I could choose to focus on how annoying it is that Brandon leaves his shoes in the living room sometimes. And uh, I can either, you know, let that grow as a thing, or I can say, Brandon is this amazing person and he leaves his shoes in the room. <laughs> um, and then hopefully I can also say, Brandon, can you please put your shoes away if it really is annoying to me? But, um, but recognizing recognizing them as a whole person and um, trying to grant both yourself and your partner a lot of grace, I think is important um, when you're in that place where it's hard to be grateful. Mm -hmm. And and if, and, and, and what, are, that's perfect, thank you. And if you feel it's your partner that has fallen off, mm -hmm. what, like just say you feel, I, I mean, I get this a lot, I get a lot of, women that don't feel appreciated and uh, um something i learned from john gray mars venus is that a woman when a woman starts saying i don't feel appreciated that actually she's quite high in testosterone low in estrogen she's feeling very stressed and overwhelmed mm -hmm. um, she's taken on too much of the things that she doesn't want to do i would call that she's out of alignment she's doing it's not that she's doing too much, it's that she's doing too many things that she doesn't actually want to do. She's saying yes to things that authentically it's a no. Um, so there she's feeling worn out and stressed. It, she's doing all this stuff she doesn't really want to do. And then she doesn't feel appreciated. Um, mm -hmm. Because when you do things that you think you have to do due to outside you, it's like you don't balance your hormones. And when you do things that you think that bring you joy, you literally balance your hormones. This is John Gray's work. Um, but what would you say to someone who is like, I'm trying to try and I try and I try. He doesn't care. It takes me for granted. I don't feel appreciated. If the flip has happened, you feel like you are showing up, but your partner isn't. Well, those are, those are also really great questions. And that is a really hard time in, in people's lives. I haven't had that so much with Brandon, but I have had that with some other relationships. And, um, 
uh, I think one of the things that's helpful to me, I mean, um, first of all, women are often serving everybody around them and it can be, it's not uncommon to kind of lose your, your way in that. Um, so I've, I actually let my family know what I need. Like I say, um, I'm going to be gone this weekend. And when I come back, I really like to have the kitchen clean and I like to have the house picked up. Can you guys do those things for me? Um, or tell, you know, tell Brandon what it is I actually need. I'm feeling like this and I, um, I, this is what I would like from you. So trying to actually communicate it. Nobody knows what's going on in your head. Um, they're never going to know. You have to let them know. And most of the time they do want to help make you happy. These are people who love you. Um, you, you have to communicate it. If they're not able to do that, um, maybe you're ready for some more professional help. And that's, I know what you provide. Um, and, and sometimes it's not a relationship that's going to be really healthy. I can tell you some of the things that we do in our relationship that when, I mean, I think there's frustrations and then some, and you know, there's ways to deal with those. And then there are like disagreements, which is what I think you're talking about here. And that there are, um, there are healthy ways for people to disagree. Um, I could, I could talk about that. Uh, well, I would love to just to put a little uh, post-it note earmark on something you said, which was, uh, I actually share my needs. That's an important moment. That's actually a key to secure attachment. Something I've been promoting and talking a lot about recently is Adeline Smith's Attachment Bootcamp, episode 29, if anyone wants to find out more about that. But one of the signs of that someone is securely attached. So sometimes people, I mean, I remember I hung out with a family member once. So I grew up in a family, there's a bit of broken attachment there. And um, and a lot of indirect communication. You mm -hmm. should know what I'm thinking, I'm gonna give you a silent treatment, you need to figure it out. Um, I will just punish you until you figure out why I'm, and at no point will I actually say, I feel and I'm uncomfortable and I need. So yeah. it's so confusing. Um, and I remember that a particular person hung out with me and my, 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 my uh, eldest child. And I'm, I'm a real direct human, very direct. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying, I don't like that. I want this, well, how I feel, and I'm doing all the, just honestly being super clear. Well, I don't like, no, I will say, and um, this person was horrified. <gasps> you can't say that. <laughs> and I would say, sorry to, my, sorry to my kid. Like, you know, my kid would be like, oh, mommy, I, my, my kid will do it to me too. Well, mom, I don't like when you do that. And, I'm, and I would yep. say, oh, gee, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I can see why that. We're doing a secure attachment thing. But to someone with broken attachment that only does, in, they, they thought we were doing something terribly wrong. <gasps> Never apologize yeah. to your kid. <gasps> you can't say that. And I want to say I'm doing I'm doing this attachment boot camp, honestly for my own professional develop, development to check that I'm really, you know, Adam's an attachment specialist. And I actually have helped clients move from secure to insecure to secure attachment. Uh, but wow. I, if, this guy has been doing it for 10 years. It's his thing and he's been doing it with like people that have murdered 10 people and he's got them. So, he's wow. got them. so I'm like, he's, wow. he's the guy and I'm doing his course to deepen my distinction of it and understand it. Very, very, very validating to have an attachment specialist say, <laughs> be radically transparent, share your needs, 
saying and I just want to share that um, sometimes we know this stuff and sometimes we accidentally fall apart uh, fall apart accidentally figure it out and here (laughs) I don't know where fall apart came from Um, but completely opposite meaning here well because when you're safe you can fall apart with the person absolutely it's a a beautiful point let's get into that in a minute um but with Erica she's saying well (laughs) I actually share my needs. I actually say, hey, and often these people are actually upset that other people are sharing their needs. It's because you're not sharing your needs. And it it is scary. It is Mm -hmm. vulnerable. You do face rejection. You do have to let someone know, here's how you can hurt me now that you know what I need. Here, I'm risking. You do have to be courageous. But this is actually secure attachment. Love is for the brave. Love is for courageous, secure attachment. It takes bravery. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I'm remembering a funny story, Brandon, um, remembers back to when our first child was a baby, he remembers coming home from work one time, and sitting on the couch, and I brought a diaper and the baby over to him. So at the beginning, uh, I don't think that we I was verbalizing, I need you to give me some time when you come home um, from work so that I can decompress. Uh, and it it is something that's grown over time. I mean, um, you know, at the beginning, he worked outside of the house, I stayed home, then there was were periods where both of us were working, there was periods when I was working. Um, and then for a lot of the most recent, Brandon's been working outside of the house while I homeschooled our kids. But um, uh, learning how to articulate, gosh, when you come home, I have, it's, it's you know, when you're a brand new mom, it can be lonely to be home alone. It, it, you know, at the very beginning, you're like, I'm not sure if I'm doing everything right. Uh, and he was out at work all day, you know, providing for the family as a young adult. And uh, I think at the beginning, we were like, in our own heads, I want you to do this. I, you know, I need to come home and relax kind of thing. Um, and, but not wanting to fight about it. So it was, it was this passive aggressive, here's the baby, here's the diaper, here's the wipes. And now, uh, after all of these years of being able to talk these things through, um, and say, I need some time when I get home now, when Brandon or I walk in the door, we can both recognize we've had separate days separate needs and there are times when i'm sure i just do this huge dump on him um but he he knows that means i've been having a bad day it isn't about him um and that most of the time i can come fully present to the to the conversation so most of the days you know we both come home and ask what was what was your day like and try to be um, supportive and present to each other but at the beginning i don't think that we had all those communication skills I love that. That's so important because something that I see, and honestly, it makes me tremble. Uh, I, if I'm hanging out uh, with a couple, I will see, often I see this dynamic and it freaks me out. And it's like almost a deal breaker. In my, I'm like, I don't want to go back around these people. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm feeling that I can't even begin to imagine what their husbands are feeling. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there is this part of I see out of I see it very often feminine energy. It scares me. I reckon it's got to scare the guy. And uh, I just I just want to say it for any woman listening. Like don't this is not secure attachment to do this. It's scary psychologically. Is what mm-hmm. I'll say is something has upset them. We don't know what. It's an invisible upset, but they they start pulling the energy away and moving the head around, <clears throat> rolling the eyes, the whole body language is upset. Mm-hmm. 
we don't know what has happened. <laughs> We're having a good time. They're upset. And, and because I'm a woman, sometimes they look at me like, oh, roll their eyes like, I know. I don't even know. I don't know. I'm in on something. She's upset. I don't know, but she's upset at him. He doesn't know. I don't know. My husband's here. He doesn't know. They're <laughs> upset. They're scoffing. They're rolling their eyes. And I am securely attached now, but I've got all oh, the past fearful, avoidant, anxious. <laughs> My anxious comes out, are you okay? What's okay? Are you all right? Is there anything I can do to help? No. Right. No, no, I'm like, oh my God. I can't conjure the drama. Going out, then their husband's like, oh, and he starts trying to guess, do I need to clean? Do I need you? Do, uh, are you all right? We're all trying to freaking guess. <laughs> we were all sitting here secure, having a nice conversation. Now we're all anxious because this person has gone avoidant, but is upset at us all. We don't know. That terrifies me. I don't know what it's doing to your husband if you're doing that all the time. I'm a woman. Yeah. I'm freaked out. And I just want to say to women, stop doing it. <laughs> That's not <laughs> attachment. And what's really going on there is you have a need you want to get met and you don't know how to articulate it. you got to go sit. you got to go hold your chest because that's that's going to drive a person away. It's going to break attachment. You're, you're heading at the – you're in – a version of stonewalling and contempt, which is there's four horsemen of the apocalypse that kill relationships, Gottman Institute, and criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, contempt. That when I see that, that's a version of contempt. You're at the bottom of the barrel at that point. The rolling the eyes, mm-hmm. scoffing. You're you're on the fast track to to killing that relationship. And honestly, it's killing it's killing friendships because I'm a friend. I don't want to. I I don't care what how good the party was. I don't want to come back because I don't want to feel that again. I don't want to feel like I'm somehow in trouble and I don't know why and I'm asking for direct communication and I'm not getting it and I feel like they're like then they come around and complain to me about their husband and I'm just sitting there being like I've been in his shoes it's scary over there and I would just say if you're wanting to kind of scoff and stonewall and get people to invisibly understand your needs no 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 it's on you to sit down and say I'm feeling a bit tired and I yeah. wanted more of your help and I probably haven't made that really clear or maybe I did, but, and, and you, you promised me and you're not coming through on your promise, but uh, I 100% agree. what I actually really need in this moment, what's missing for me in this moment is this. Now that takes you realizing you're accountable. You're upset. You need you to have to own, own yourself. Own you it. have to own, own your thoughts and your emotions and your actions and some of them are scary to um to be present to and you'll mess up lots of times and then you get to come back and say i'm sorry i did not mean to bring that energy to you it wasn't about you or what maybe it was but um i'm tired or i'm hungry or um i've been really feeling confused lately in our relationship because and um yeah and it, it 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 is hard and it takes a lot of self-reflection, but it's so worth it to, yeah. to own, own your choices. It's worth like it, that. but you've got to be the psychologically secure partner too if you want any hope of creating secure attachment. And our, our brains actually, like our amygdala can get fired from a look. If you look at yeah. someone, they look at you like they're upset, you can go into fight or flight and you get flooded. And when you're doing that, when you're instead of calmly 
communicating to a partner that your needs need to get met and instead you look at them aggressively, you're flooding their system. They're now in fight or flight. They, they don't know. It's not a good strategy and you're psychologically unsafe in that moment. So mm -hmm. own your stuff and learn how to ask for your needs to be met in a psychologically safe space so that you're actually a match for secure attachment. You can't. I, I totally agree. Yeah, our, our brains are wired to over respond to the negative. Um, that's, that is biologically how we're wired and it helped us survive. All your ancestors survived so that you could be here today because they were alert to the sound of the lion in the grass, but, um, but it is not serving you, uh, in the relationship. And so you do have to bring a lot more positive, um, positive to the relationship, uh, to counteract any of those looks and when you do have those looks really try to explain yourself because if they love you they want you they don't want you to be upset um you know they they want to know what it is that they can do i want to know what it is i can do for my kids or for my friends or um for brandon um but i i can't guess <laughs> for a lot of it <laughs> yeah it freaks me out uh, i just wanted to share that as someone who is secure if I'm feeling psychologically safe, that that'll that'll fling me into anxious, um, and I think that that that's just the amygdala response. And I just wanted to let anyone listening know that uh, it, it, it's worth learning and, and leaning into the fear of sharing your needs really, really clearly, because that's the only way you're going to connect to the other person while they're in a calm mind. That's the only way you're going to get the better. You're not you're never going to win getting someone into fight or flight. Yeah, and off of that, I would say that's another thing that we've gotten a lot better at over the years is, um, you know, in the heat of a moment, you're probably not gonna solve the underlying issue. And so um, uh, one of the things Brandon um, suggested we start doing at some point in the past but is a lovely way to do it is when we know that we have something heavy and hard to work out uh we sit down together and actually hold one another's hand oh. um and uh so you know like if we're trying to figure out how are we gonna make these big decisions about money or life or um something like that to it just helps us remember we are partners. We are two separate individuals. So of course we're going to have different ideas about this, but we love each other and we are trying to find the best solution. So we, we hold each other's hand and we sit next to each other and we try to work it out. Um, it, uh, that is not the kind of thing to do in the heat of the moment. And um, it, it is pretty hard to, you know, be unkind um, when, when you're holding hands. <laughs> that is so sweet. Like that physical reminder, I'm here, I'm here with you. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. It actually reminds me of, I actually can't remember if it was Gottman Institute or Harvin or uh, Harville Hendricks and Helen Kelly Hunt's book, Game of Love You Want. But I do remember there was a concept at a time that if you're really at a, at a loggerheads, at a, uh, there's a situation that you can't resolve. Uh, mm -hmm. A couple of things you can do, what's called the Imago Dialogue, where you both literally hold space and mirror validate empathize with each other over and over until you really understand each other you just that's great you get to hear the other person's point of view until you both fully get the other person and then once you've got there then you can both of you will probably naturally want to compromise now that you get the other person's 
thought process. Um, but the other thing that you've just reminded me of with the handholding thing is go for a long drive and don't look at each other having the conversation. Stare forward <laughs> and drive because the driving calms you down. But also sometimes um, for certain attachment styles, it's actually very confronting to sit and stare at someone and talk to them. Um, and so sometimes actually removing that intimidation, which is kind ah. of like handholding is another way of softening it. Um, someone once said, I can't remember which relationship person said this, but it was like, you've got it. There are certain ways of communicating, which makes a person put their hand on their, their buckle belt and put the hand on the gun. If you don't, if, if, if you as a, basically put you in fight or flight, there's other ways, okay. startups and ways to communicate, which gets someone to relax. And now they can actually communicate. Ah. And, and one of the ways is driving. Go for a drive together and talk about it while you're staring at the car. You know, it just takes away that intimidation. Um, but I love that you've found hand-holding. That's kind of a version of it. You can sit there. Yeah, you know, um, as you bring up that about driving, I think that we have used that in parenting, not infrequently. Um, it's a safe place with, to work things out with kids and teenagers and young adults um, because it, it isn't confrontational. Uh, and, you know, the conversation can ebb and flow in a way that's different than when you're facing somebody. So yeah. that's a great point. I appreciate that. I love that you've brought that into parenting that, yeah, go for a drive. And, and that's so true. Turn the radio. Sometimes I, I'll just turn the radio off. Because I like what actually happens if I leave the car silent with my kids. I like uh -huh. the conversation that yeah. comes out. They'll suddenly, you know, mommy, so-and-so at school, It'll, you know, 10 minutes into the drive. Uh, and so I think, um, yeah, I love that you've brought that into parenting. Uh, amazing. Well, you know, I in, in that same vein, um, I'll just also say, I think at the beginning, I didn't want the kids to watch us in conflict very much. I thought it might... Um, you know, make them feel insecure to see their parents disagree about things. And one of the things that we've learned over the years is that the way that we argue is or disagree is um, generally pretty healthy. And so we have actually tried to work out some of our stuff in front of the kids or when the kids are around us so that we can model um, because everybody will disagree. I mean, you wouldn't want to be in a relationship where you were simply mirroring the other person. That would be very unhealthy. Um, so basically trying to take take some of the things we've learned and just let them learn from our mistakes, you know, um, and let them watch us disagree with each other. <laughs> yeah, so. I love that. I love that. That's an important one because I think there was a generation that believed you just had to keep the surface rosy around the kids and hide that or it's kind of the other direction yeah. they couldn't help themselves and it was like a war zone um it's yeah. kind of like both of neither of them are the middle ground you want if you can it's hard <laughs> yeah I grew up in a house where there wasn't a lot of arguing but um you know my parents did get divorced after 26 years um so I didn't I didn't have a lot of modeling about how how you have healthy disagreements. I had a lot of other wonderful modeling, and I think it is you know one of those things yeah. I had no control over, but that allowed me to be in a position where I could be um, pretty quickly into a healthy relationship. But um, but le learning how to be different from your partner is really important too. I love that. That's so important. That's a really good one. Actually, both my husband and I, neither of us had a blueprint for how to do conflict. Uh, mine, mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we were both, I won't go into detail, we were both at either end of the the extreme. One had not mm -hmm. seen, seen any 
thing. Um, potentially only seeing their mum their mum cry once in their whole life. And the other one um, was like a war zone. It was how yeah. not to how not yeah. die. So um, we had to learn. Yeah. How do, how, do, how do we, I'm not saying we get it right all the time, but at least we know. No, what, we what don't right. either. <laughs> at least we know what right is supposed to look like. And we aim, <laughs> we aim for that. And we aim to give that to our, to argue with our children that way. If, mm-hmm. and, and I will just share, there's a great book, Harville Hendricks and Helen Kelly Hunt, if you want to know more about that, or I do that through my one-on-one coaching as well. Um, a couple of things. Number one, you want to work on your own triggers. You want to become a person who's less triggered. You want to do some inner work. But the other is to understand the power of mirroring what someone is saying to you, what I'm hearing is, checking that you've got it right. Because uh, we all kind of, some people, a lot of people say, it's like my partner speaks another language. It is like I'm speaking Chinese and he's speaking Russian. It's like, and a lot of people have that sensation. And so yeah. doing this thing where when someone talks to you, mirroring back to them just helps them feel so seen. Um, so mirror, yes. validate, that makes sense. It make your point of view, make it's not agreeing. You don't have to agree. You can say exactly. the, way, the way they think that they make sense is such an important thing. It's the opposite of gaslighting. It's letting someone have their reality. Uh, it's very healthy. And then the, the third step is um, empathizing. You know, I actually care that that's so hard for you. So this yes. is a framework. Um, but I, I think I think just your point of make that something you, you, that you want to learn. Learn how to have conflict and then allow yourself yeah. to model that in front of your children because that's the most important thing is um, is learning how to, how to argue well, how to disagree well, but also how to repair after conflict or when there has been a rupture um so this is yeah such an important conversation have you got any 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 other relationship insights tips or maybe you know once you become parents was there a shift is there different phases of relationships over the 30 years that you feel like people ought to be on the lookout for i mean i've heard things like there are certain pressure points like after the kids, <laughs> after the kids first go to school that's a high divorce rate so they you know you up after you first have babies high divorce rate the babies show up then once the kids go off to school high divorce rate then after the kids leave the nest high divorce rate when a woman becomes menopausal and her hormones change high divorce rate she suddenly wants passion she suddenly decides i wanted so much more high divorce rate so i'm wondering have you in 30 years noticed any kind of particular pressure points uh and you've got any wisdom on 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 how someone can get through that um yeah i uh i think any of those major changes um uh bring a lot of stress into a relationship. And um, so all of them that you listed definitely can bring stress in. Um, after after you first become parents and after each new baby is born, the baby you know, demands to be the center, obviously. Uh, and that can be hard on a relationship with, especially at the beginning when you're so wrapped up in one another um, and to decide or to define who you are in relation to each other as parents. Over time, um, it can be one of the most beautiful parts of being in a long-term relationship is to see your partner in relation to other people. Um, it can be exhilarating to watch that, but uh, at the beginning, it, it can be rough. Um, like I know right now, we are moving into another one of those big changes, our youngest 
um, just started college a couple of weeks ago. They're still at home. They're doing a high school college program. So we still have get to have them here for a few more years or a couple years. But um, we actually started thinking about this transition, becoming empty nesters, uh, about four years ago before they started high school. Our kids are 10 years apart and we have been a homeschooling family. So um, we, we've had a very intimate family relationship and it's um, kind of an all-consuming lifestyle, the way that we did it, uh, which was great. But we've watched people move through this transition um, of becoming empty nesters and it can be really challenging to define who you are as an individual after this lifestyle and who you are as a couple. Um, so we started really thinking it through about four years ago and deciding who do we want to be together after this. We have had a lot of um, excitement and passion. How can we keep that going? Uh, I knew I wanted to have a different career. I had been a teacher and school administrator before um, we started homeschooling, but we knew we wanted to do a lot of travel and we wanted to um, have a lot of freedom with how we used our time. So um, we had a lot of those conversations holding hands on the couch and, you know, do I want to go back to school and, you know, do we want to move and all of that. And through all of those things, we actually came up with a super exciting plan. Um, and Brandon's a sailor and has always wanted to live on a boat. So we have decided uh, that when all of our kids are launched, we're going to be selling our house and moving aboard a boat starting in the Mediterranean and get to go see a lot of the world um, that way. To do that, uh, Brandon quit his job and now is selling sailboats and becoming a stronger sailor every day. And I started a, a company based on travel education um, that I've been building up while our kids are in school, um, but that um, we can rely on as we're, you know, in this semi-retirement digital nomad phase um, later. So I think recognizing that those life changes that you were talking about are coming, they're going to be hard. You can just look around and see how challenging they are for, um, for most all of us. And again, coming with intention and creativity and a sense of shared purpose and um, love and gratitude for each other to decide, you know, who do we wanna be in this, this next chapter, whether it's as new parents or as um, kids who are going to school or empty nesters, um, and then, you know, um, we're also at a stage where life has started to throw some very, very heavy blows at us. Um, my, my sister and both my parents have all died within the last six years. And, um, I know that those can be, well, they are incredibly stressful experiences. Um, one of our kids was recently bedridden for about two years with a really hard to diagnose, um, medical condition that took just an, uh, an enormous toll. Um, they finally figured it out. They've had surgery, they're recovering. But um, those really stressful, hard things that are so beyond your control, um, there's a temptation to put up a balls and defend yourself. Like, you know, you, you want to protect your heart when it is so completely exposed and raw. Um, and instead, it, to lean into each other 
um, that that is where your safety lies. And, you know, it's really uh, in a long-term relationship, there are going to be lots of times when one person's going to hold the other one up. And there's this, there's this balance, there's this dance, whether it's changing jobs or, you know, somebody was unkind or, or grief. Um, but there are also times when it's going to hit both of you really hard at the same time because you know um like with our child uh and to just be able to grant each other a lot of grace um and try to lean into each other and and be the safest softest place to fall apart for one another um and all that comes comes with time i mean uh the year that we got married my was the year my parents got divorced and it was also the year brandon's grandpa died um, and he was really close to his grandpa. So I think we, we had some of that from the very beginning, um, choosing to choosing to lean into each other instead of putting up those defenses. But I will say that that, that is one more thing that isn't necessarily going to be easy. Um, you have to you have to decide that, that that's what you're going to do with each other. Wow, that just felt really important. Uh, and you know and we can get lost in the and I can get lost in the excitement of love and da, 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 da. and it's so important that it actually life happens and mm -hmm. and and I love that you said you can both get hit at the same time because I mean it, it happened to us in early parenthood and mm -hmm. uh, and I have because it happened to us I have friends that resonate they reach out to me oh my gosh but we're both like we're both hit down now we're both and early parenthood can be like that if you've moved and you don't have a support network or you don't have yeah. a relationship of trust with your family or you don't have the money to outsource to get staff and all this sort of stuff it can exactly feel, it can feel like the guy or not to stereotype feel like someone is working really really hard or maybe you both are and someone is parenting so much and you're in different worlds and you don't really understand how hard the other ones is and you're both drowning and you're both trying to get pulled up by the other, but the other one is drowning too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Like that is, and it's like, but I'm suffering, but it's like, but they're suffering and like that is so hard. And so what, what's your wisdom on making sure you, even though you're drowning and you need help that you, you are actually someone the other partner can turn toward. How, how do you get through that together? Yeah, that's a really good question, and um, my heart goes out to anybody who's in that space because those are the hard, some of the hardest times. Um, uh, you know, if you have it in you to step outside enough of what you're in the midst of, whatever kind of self-care or nurturing you can give yourself so that you can be strong enough to see that your partner is suffering, try to have those healthy conversations that we've been talking about um, where you make it safe for them to say, how, what their fears are or their um, challenges are. And then, um, you know, there are, there are some losses where you both just really won't have anything to give to the other one. And to just be able to say, I, um, you know, uh, with the deepest losses and the deepest pain that um, your family members might be dealing with. I'm just uh, mostly thinking about grief and serious medical conditions that are so far beyond your control. They can completely knock the wind out of both of you and to um, just be able to articulate, I love you and I am sorry, I do not have, have it to give right now, 
but please know that I love you. And um, I bet you'll hear the same thing back. Uh, and in the end, the, all of those experiences, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Um, those experiences really do strengthen the relationship. I wish they did not have to happen. I wish that super painful things didn't happen, but it's the nature of life. And um, if you can lean into your partner instead of away from them, you will be a stronger partnership in the end. It's a really remarkable thing to be with somebody for 30 years and see yourself reflected back in them and see the growth that you've made together that you can't make. I mean, I've grown individually um, also during that time, but uh, it's a, it's a huge privilege to get to be in relation with somebody for that long and um, experience life in a partnership. Wow, that's profound. Yeah, and I think we don't always go into love and marriage with the grief, with the hard stuff in mind. We go in like, oh, the fun. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> and um, I mean, on that note, you know, it feels like a weird topic to bring up, but I just, I, I don't want to end. I know I've, I've gone over time. I just, it's a habit of mine on these podcasts because I just love it so much. <laughs> um, so I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you go. And this is a, this is kind of this question is going to come like, wow, we're talking about this now, but I just. I'm, I'm so curious and I just want to ask someone that's been together in love 30 years, how important do you think sex, the sex life is in, a, in 30 years? Uh, I would say that it's very important and it deserves to be um, one of the things that you focus on uh, and it's going to change dramatically because of different things that are happening in your life, but it's worth um, continually investing, investing in, and um, and the rewards are great. <laughs> so it takes intention, and because something I've heard, I think Esther Perel has studied erotic couples, and she, I think she shares that those that stay erotic or romantic or passionate or sexual um, long term, it's because at least one person in the relationship made that a priority, put intention into it, tried to make that happen. Um, would you agree with that, that it, it requires intention and thought and... I don't think uh, all of the time that it does, but I think that there are going to be times like after a baby is born or um, in periods of grief or uh, a lot of stress or things like that, where it's not going to um, be as front and center and to still choose it um it it's like also the romance in a relationship you there are going to be times when life is so chaotic or hard uh, you still need to go out on that date you still need to stay up after the kids go to bed um and and try to conjure some of that even if you're you're just not there right then um so yes i uh i agree with that, that um, there there are times when it, it needs to be a more thoughtful choice. And then there are times when it doesn't require any thought at all. <laughs> I love that. It's like the highs, the lows, the plateaus. So it's during the, the, the plateau uh, that you you just, someone's gonna be like, hey, this needs a bit of effort. Interestingly, yeah. you're, you're gonna be, this is gonna be episode 36. Episode 35, literally the last person I spoke to for this podcast uh, has lived on a sailboat for 10 years, homeschooling five uh -huh. 
<laughs> that's a great overlap so I, they they yeah. homeschooled five kids on a sailboat good for them i've never heard that's... of this concept until yesterday's conversation now yours today and it's so weird that <laughs> um so yeah yeah Bra brandon wanted to do that and i said no i um i need to have more space for the kids to run around and not be scared they're going to fall off in the water but i i love uh, meeting world schoolers of all kinds uh, people who really use travel to um, educate their kids so yeah we did a version that we call unschooling so um it was it was all a lot of natural learning and we did include a lot of travel some of it was on sailboats but not like the family in episode 35 i'll keep my ear open for that one be she's, they've been together 30 years too and <laughs> now you're a so you are in your intro you're a trip is there anything that you want to say about what you offer or services before I, you get going about your travel stuff? Uh, if anyone well, wants to connect with you on your trip scholars, um, do you want to share us a little bit about that? And then we'll, we'll wrap it oh, up. Sure. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so after all of those years of unschooling and uh, incorporating a lot of travel and I and uh, as we were talking about before, coming up with a plan for moving through this next transition, I came up with the concept of trip scholars. Uh, instead of using as much time as I did as a homeschooling parent to find all of these resources to learn about places before we traveled or to really build up travel skills, uh, helping people use their excitement about upcoming trips to learn a lot more about where they're going and, and also a lot more about themselves. So at tripscholars.com, I have loads of articles uh, about interesting ways to travel and um, all kinds of resources related to particular destinations. I've also got a resource library. And then I um, additionally, I work one-on-one -on -one with people or with families to help them both craft a plan for um, things they can do before they travel or to help them reach their long-term travel goals and travel with uh, the most intention as that they can. So over at tripscholars.com under gifts uh, at the top of the website, you can get yourself a list of 24 different things that you can start doing today. Many of them you could start doing tonight um, that will help you start learning and preparing for your next trip and i guarantee it'll make it a much richer travel experience you can also find me um, at trip scholars on instagram and facebook and pinterest so thanks yeah perfect how i mean how exciting i think uh definitely for someone like me when i finally get the travel itch something like that would be super useful because uh it's just way outside of my skill set it's just nothing i've ever given energy to and i think I just want to share for anyone listening, Erica is a really uh, intentional person. Like I think um, uh, I've only had brief, uh, brief interactions with her, but I would feel super safe going to her because she is thoughtful and processed. And there is like this intentionality behind it that just, you know, when you can feel what someone is kind of so rooted in their center and really moving with intention you feel like you can relax a bit with them like oh they've got it I, I just get that real sense with Erica just the way she's approached coming into this interview and just yeah my, my it's been a comforting kind of intentional process so I think I can imagine it'd be really lovely for your clients to have that energy of 
uh, you've got this warmth and this, this ability to connect, but also this really intentional star where I, I really feel they'd been in good hands. So I just wanted to share that. Just I know I've only briefly met you, but that's been my my sense. Um, Thank you. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that um, that 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 would be a really a great service for people that are you know not feeling fully clear on on trips and travel and, and all that sort of stuff um well thank you i felt uh, i felt very safe in this conversation too so um thank you for creating creating that space it's been lovely to get to talk with you about love oh it's an important topic my pleasure <laughs> i'm i'm thank you for being such a willing participant i'm glad you feel safe because i was just poking in and getting curious and squeezing all the <laughs> it's been so fun it was like a, it was so fun for me so I, I hope um you didn't feel like a pin cushion getting prodded and instead it felt like <laughs> I was inviting you into sharing I'm, I'm relieved to hear that because I'm so enthusiastic about unpacking <laughs> the information that um yes I'm glad it's landed all right for you <laughs> yeah no it, it felt great um it was a really interesting and enjoyable conversation you've got a wealth of knowledge about um about love, right? you had a lot of things that you were referencing and um, books and people who um, have devoted their life to studying what it means to have a, a loving relationship. So uh, yeah, you really fleshed out a lot of my, my thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, I think my top value is absolutely connection and potentially making marriage work. Um, so I've got a real hunger for collecting information and trying to figure out um, how to create a, a good blueprint. Um, so thank you. All right, Erica, we're going to finish it up for now. So if you have any final words uh, before you, you get going on love or long-term relationship or whatever, um, please feel free to share them now. Otherwise you can say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, trust yourself and, and trust your trust your partner if they've shown you that you can be safe and vulnerable with them and you'll, you'll find your way too. So thank you, Elise. Thank you, Erica. I love that. Trust yourself. Such an important one. And trust your partner. And and, and, I, and if you don't trust them, look into that. What's that about? Yeah. Why, are you, why are you with someone you can't trust? Or why are you not trusting someone that, yeah, I think work on that. But it's like, trust is super important. So I love that you've dropped that in to round off this conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Elise. This Thanks, Erica. Thanks for tuning in for episode 36 of Love with Elise Peck. I had a wonderful time speaking with Erica. So much wisdom in there. And I'm really grateful that you're here listening and joining in this love bubble with us. All right. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Erica, I've popped a link into the show notes, the caption of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. And also there's a link there if you'd like to find out more about me, Elise, your host. So um, if you'd like to learn more about love and life coaching, how to take your love or your life from point A to point B to take it to the next level, if it's not quite uh, where you want it to be and um, yeah, you would like that next up level, please head to my website, elisepeck.com, go for a free strategy call and uh, jump on a phone with me and let's, let's talk about where you currently are, where you want to go and uh, check if our connection is compatible to take you to that next level also 
If you know someone with magnificent love story, with a lot of love in their life, please encourage them to go to my website, elisepeck.com, go to book now and book in a podcast interview with me. I would love to unpack their story. I'd love to connect with them and to hear their perspective and views on love. I really, you know, have a real (laughs) desire to always be growing, always stay open, always be learning and be open to all the perspectives on love. So I welcome any and all perspectives uh, to jump on board. If, If someone really feels that what they're doing is really working for them, is really getting them the love that they want, I would love to speak with them. So yeah, head to the website, book in a podcast interview with me. Uh, Or if it's someone that you can see out there that seems to have a lot of love in their life, uh, please encourage them to go to the website and to uh, book in a podcast interview with me too. Otherwise, I look forward to connecting with you on another episode of Love with Elise Peck very soon. Okay, bye for now.